0: I would, I would not have announced that, <laughs> so that was wise. Um, thank you for uh, being here this morning, and I um, just want to thank the Calents for inviting me here uh, to share with you guys a little bit more about Team World Vision. Sue asked me um, to share the story of Team World Vision um, this morning and um, how it started in 2006 and how we got here since then. And to be honest, in the last three or four years, uh, or months, I'm sorry, in the last three or four months, I feel as though I have myself rediscovered the heartbeat of Team World Vision. Um, Now, I've been on staff since 2009, um, but I think that truly part of Uh, Part of that excitement is the opportunity uh, to launch a full-city Team World Vision effort here in Eau Claire this year for the first time. That has reinvigorated my uh, joy and my excitement around Team World Vision. It's reminded me about what it is that we do and why we do it. Um, The newness of Team World Vision to folks who I've gotten the opportunity to speak to here, it simply fans the flame of my excitement for what this ministry tool is and can be in people's lives. Uh, So as I begin, I just want to highlight the scripture that I'm going to be reflecting upon, and I would like you to reflect upon just as you hear what I share with you um, throughout the story of Team World Vision. And here it is. Uh, Under under the, the guise of of 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which you may know or may have heard sometime at like a wedding or something, uh, the greatest of these is love, do you remember that? Faith, hope, and love of, of those that remain are faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So under that, guys, we're going we're gonna to try to let this story um, imbue our spirit through Romans 5, 1 through 5, Okay? Um, And I'm going to go through that um, a little bit more, but I want to just start with this idea of faith, hope, and love, because I'd always looked at faith, hope, and love as three options, like mostly independent of one another. You can have faith, and hope, and love, but you better have love, right, and the, and a when I heard the King James Version translation of this, faith, hope, and charity, I was especially excited because I work for a nonprofit charity organization and I excel at charity, right? Maybe, maybe not. Um, probably not. Faith, hope, and love, though. What I've realized in the past few months, actually, even just a few weeks ago, I was reflecting on Romans 5 1 through 5. And it became very clear to me that faith, hope, and love are inextricably tied together. You you can't separate them. In fact, not only are they not separable, but they're a journey unto it unto its own path there. Faith being the starting point, hope being the process. And love being the fruition of what happens. Thus Paul's reasoning for saying, faith, hope, and love remain, but love is the greatest. Not because it's the one that you should choose, but because it is the pinnacle, right? It is the summit. It is the end goal. right? If we look throughout Scripture, throughout the story of the Bible, then what we see is God telling a story from Genesis all the way to Revelation where the whole time it's just It's just accelerating and accelerating and accelerating and accelerating, and then then we get these summit moments, right? But even to this day, we are still not arrived at the summit. Isn't that amazing? Even to this day, God is writing his story in the world, and we get to be a part of it faith, hope, and love. So that's how I want you to, to to think about faith, hope, and love. And as we look at Romans 5, 1 through 5, since therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And now here's where it gets scary. Not only so but we also glory in our sufferings. Another translation says we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Uh, let me pray to start. Father, we thank you for the truth uh, that you have revealed to us through scripture, through our experience, and through your Holy Spirit's voice in our lives. Pray that we'd be open to that voice this morning, that we would listen, that we would comprehend. In your name, amen. In 2002, Michael Chitwood knocked on my door of my dorm room, I was a junior in college, he had his guitar in his hand. He's a six foot four, 275, 275 pound defensive end, six years out of college, towering over me at the time. I was probably 15 pounds lighter than I am right now, and skinny, scrawny. Uh, Chitwood, as I affectionately call him, was a Youth for Christ staff person, and my brother Joe was one of his volunteers. And my brother Joe said to Chitwood, hey, you need to connect with my brother because my brother is a great songwriter. That's just a plug for me. I'm a great songwriter. No, (laughs) he did tell him that. He said, you need to connect with my brother because he's a great songwriter. And Chitwood also enjoys writing music and is good at it. So he wanted to connect with me. So he drives 60 minutes on interstates to meet with a guy who he's never met before, me, Comes into my dorm room, he's 26 at the time, and uh, we start hanging out. I think we played music that day for probably three hours. Honestly, I don't think we saw each other again for at least a year after that, because we were going to become a band. You maybe have heard of how that goes. In 2003, I moved to Champaign, Illinois. I actually moved in with my brother, and I began volunteering with Michael Chitwood at Youth for Christ. Um... It was about this time that Michael got a call from one of his best friends from college, teammate, they both were defensive ends together in college, and his best friend said to him, I'm going to run the Chicago Marathon this year, I want you to come and cheer me on. Michael said, I will be there. Hung up the phone and told his wife, Danny, I'm running the Chicago Marathon this year. Whoops. Michael couldn't run down the block. He hated running. He was a defensive end. He was 6'4", 275 pounds, in case you recall me saying that. He thought of running as punishment. It was during this nine-month period that Michael not only began training for a marathon, but began to confront the grief from the loss, the sudden loss, of his father, who had passed away two years prior to this. It was during this nine months of training that Michael began to pray again, or maybe truly for the first time, finally exposing God to his anger and hurt regarding the loss of his dad. He crossed the finish line around five hours and 20-some minutes. I don't know exactly. He always corrects me. Um, Less than a year later, less than a year after this, he signed up for his first, Ironman Wisconsin, in case you don't know what an Ironman is, it's really hard, <laughs> and it ends in a marathon. He did not know how to swim, he did not own a bike, those two things are very important for running an Ironman. During an 80-mile during an bike ride training ride, he heard the voice of God, or saw a vision, or however you want to perceive that communication that happens between you and the Holy Spirit, what if people, just like me, people who have no interest in running, went through the same incredible healing process that I've gone through, except while doing it, served the most vulnerable children in the world, What if people did that? He went home, he began writing it all down, how it would look, what it would be called. He began writing a business plan. He was not a businessman, but he began writing a business plan. Later that month, he called me and several other friends, and he asked what we thought. I had no idea. I hated running. I told him it was whatever. I don't know. Good for you. God said to do it, go for it. Uh, one of his other friends said, You've got two options, Michael. You can create your own nonprofit, maintain complete control, but risk the entire thing falling apart. It's your first option. Or you could pitch this to the best development organization in the world, but risk losing, completely losing control over it. Started researching, found World Vision. After many phone calls and meetings, World Vision finally agreed to test Team World Vision for nine months in 2006. Now, Michael called me. Brad, I desperately need you to run a half marathon this year. It'll be so good for you. I don't think so, Michael. Last time you asked me to run a half marathon, I didn't train for it, and it was horrible. It was the worst experience of my life, and I vowed I would never do it again, so no. (laughs) Got off the phone, felt pretty good about that, told my wife, and she said, you seem like you're getting fat. (laughs) Oh, cool. I think we're going to run this together, she said. Oh, okay. So we started training together. It was about five months later, I completed my first successful half marathon. Couldn't believe how good I felt at the end. I actually felt better than my wife. Ha ha. (laughs) In your face. She just had a bad day. Um, And at the end of that race, I was feeling so good that Michael came over to me and he said, Brad, how do you feel? I said, I feel great. I knew you would. Oh, that's amazing. You had a lot of confidence then. I know what your next race should be, Brad. What should it be? It should be a half Ironman. I don't know what that is. What's a half Ironman? Well, you swim and you bike and you run. Well, Michael, I'm deathly afraid of water. I don't own a bicycle. And I just ran my first half marathon, so it might not be the best idea. He goes, ah, it's easy. You can do it. My first one was a full Ironman. You can do it. It's only a half Ironman. So I was all excited, and I said, OK. I should have thought through like all of that first, but over the next nine months, I uh, got in contact with one of my best friends who was a division one swimmer and the swim coach at the high school that I taught at at the time. I said, John, can you help me swim? He said, yeah, come to swim practice tonight. So I came to swim practice that night I tried to make it through the pool, 50 meter outdoor pool. I could barely make it from one end to the next. I thought I was doing great, apparently I was doing horrible. I don't know how many meters a mile is this time, so I have no relevance to understand how good or bad I am doing. Get out of the pool after a few laps. I say, John, what do you think? He says, I think you're going to (laughs) drown. Dang it. That's not what I wanted to hear. No, seriously, John, what do you think? No, seriously, I think you're going to (laughs) drown. I would advise that you not do this race. I was like, really? He looks me in the eyes and he's dead serious. Please do not do this race. <laughs> oh, no. So I call Michael. Michael, sorry, I can't do this race. Well, Brad, you owe me $220 for registration. Oh, man. Really? Yeah, really. Oh, my gosh. That's... Don't worry, Brad. You can do this. I don't think I can, Michael. Trust me, you can. You weren't there today, it was bad apparently. So he says, go buy a book. Go buy a book to learn how to swim. It's called Total Immersion Swimming, so I go buy the book. He says, promise me that you'll work on this for three weeks. If you work on it for three weeks, I'm going to come back, call you again. Um, We'll talk it through. If you still can't do it, then we'll figure something out. So I go buy the book, and nine months later, I get out of the water of the half-iron man race, very angry because it took me twice as long as I thought it was going to take to get through the swim. Get on the bike, hammer through the bike because I'm good at bicycling, it's easy. And get off the bike and I can't walk because I'm so tired and I have to run a half marathon. But I finished, almost dead last, took me seven hours and 55 minutes. Cut off as eight hours for that event. It's right underneath. Pretty good. Uh, And I couldn't believe that that happened to me. And over the course of all of that training and that time, um, I experienced a ton of personal transformation. I found out that I could do things that I really thought that I couldn't do. I spent a lot of time training with people and by myself, learning a lot about God, praying often, mostly that I would not drown. Um, Learning how to receive encouragement from people around me. Learning how to learn from people around me instead of always thinking that I had the answers. That brings me to today. Today. Uh, About two months ago, Michael texted me, Brad, just got 25 spots to Ironman, Wisconsin. Now, since I've finished two half Ironman races, I've always said Ironman is stupid. It is dumb. It is a waste of time. It is a waste of energy. People who do it are ridiculous. Good for you, not for me. I've got two kids and a wife, and I like to keep it that way, right? Right? He texted me at 9 a.m. on a work day, I got 25 spots for Iron Man Wisconsin, and a knot formed in the bottom of my stomach, and I couldn't get it to go away. Finally, at 1 p.m., I texted him back, why do you have to say things like this to me? Well, what? What did I say? So I've committed to Iron Man Wisconsin for this year. <laughs> I'm very scared. It's tempting to call certain points in this story the end of the story. Roll the credits. It's tempting to just sit, to just end it there, to end it certain places, right? It ended in 2006. We started Team World Vision. Now we're to today. This wonderful, amazing ministry tool that exists, and the rest is history. But think back through your own life. As I look at mine, I realize that each time I've started something meaningful, it wasn't the end, but it was the beginning. The beginning of pain, heartache, tears, and difficulty. Ultimately, starting something rewarding almost always means confronting suffering head on. Don't believe me? Start a relationship with a dog. (laughs) Right? Dog doesn't live as long as you do. Start a relationship with another human being. They don't line up to do everything that you think they should do. Have a child. Good luck. The journey of Team World Vision in 2006 to today is no different. Every person on our staff has shed blood, sweat, and tears to make this ministry, this program, a reality. And every single person on our staff at some point has thought about seriously giving up. Just like the people in this room today who will join Team World Vision today for the first time. This is where I've got to reflect on these scriptures. Guys, faith is a starting point. Right? But we always like to think about it like the ending. I made my decision. Right? When we hear about this story of people going to Turkey, somebody hears the seed of the gospel that gets planted in their life. They accepted Christ. It's over. We did it. Sorry. It's not over. We didn't do it. We just started a whole series of events that are about to be really painful, difficult, and cause a ton of suffering. Right? If you don't believe me, look up stories about people who live in Islamic culture who decide to turn to Christianity. See how their family interactions go. Right? It's not a reason not to do it. My friend, John, who's actually featured in that video, John, that was his first marathon. How would you like for your first ever marathon to have your boss come to you and say, "Uh, John, we're actually going to bring a whole video team. They're going to follow you through your entire race, and they're going to film it. We're going to make a commercial out of it. So I hope you make it to the end, first of all. And we really need you to look a certain way at certain points throughout the race just kidding. John's probably one of the most authentic people I've ever met. He would call this point of faith a moving action. Okay, he's a literary guy. He's a literature professor, was for a while. Um, you've got fixed action. That's kind of a, you're just going along, living your life, doing things the way that you wanted to do it. Boom, Jesus hits you. Oh no. I had all these plans and like things were gonna happen a certain way. Right? You've all experienced this to some degree, whether it's with Jesus or not, where you're living a certain way and then something happens, boom, changes your trajectory. Um I'm gonna compare this whole process to something that happened to me when I was out in Seattle a few few months ago. Driving through Seattle, and I look out my window. For the first time, I see Mount Rainier. Now, if you've ever been to Seattle, Mount Rainier is like the only thing that you can see. I mean, it's ridiculous, okay? They say, here's what they say about Mount Rainier. It has a top of Topographical prominence greater than K2. K2 is the second tallest mountain in the world. Topographical prominence basically means it looks bigger than anything else around it. Okay? Because the distance from the next highest mountain to that mountain is higher than anything else. Okay? It looks ridiculous when you look out your window. I'm driving along, minding my own business, I look out the window, what's that? That's Mount Rainier, oh my gosh, that's amazing, and what I just, this feeling washes over me, I want to go there, why do I want to go, I don't want to go there, I'm not a mountain climber, I want to go there though, why do I want to go there so bad, I don't know, I can't stop looking at the mountain, where is it, can we go there right now, how how long does it take? two hours. Let's drive there. Do we have something going on? I want to go to the top. Can we do that? No, you can't do that, Brad. Right? There's my wife, like, stop telling me that you're going to go to the top of Mount Rainier. We don't have time for this right now. (laughs) Well, who put it there? Why did they put it right there? We can see it. Right? I will get to the top of this mountain. This is faith. It's like the starting point of faith. You're like going along, minding your own business. Something strikes you. It hits you. You can't take your eyes off of it. This is Jesus, right? The hope that exists within Jesus. Like, What is about this? This is so weird. Why do I feel this way? This is a part where your heart is fluttering. You can't stop telling people. I signed up for Iron Man. Signed up for Iron Man. Signed up for Iron Man. Why am I telling people that? I don't want to tell people that anymore. I'm just, I'm in a relationship. I'm in a relationship. We're going to have a kid. 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 We're adopting. We're adopting. We're adopting. We're adopting. We're adopting. You can't stop talking about it. Your heart is fluttering. This is faith. It's the beginning. It's the exciting part. Hope comes next. And it really sounds like a great thing. Hope does. It sounds awesome. It sounds easy. But let's check out Romans 5.3. Not only so, but we also glory or rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Oh wait, you want to summon a mountain? Guess what? Uh, You're going to suffer. Sorry. Think about it. Anytime you attempt anything worthwhile, what does it take? Incredibly hard work. Right? Because it's hard Everything is hard. Everything you do in life is hard. Right? Except for like watching 30 Rock. Watching 30 Rock is easy. But everything worthwhile is hard. It stretches us. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes us sore. It makes us beat up. It wipes us out. And then we heal and we're all good, right? So we get this phrase... I know you've heard it. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right? Isn't that right? Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That is not true. People keep saying that, but that is not true. Everyone dies. So it's not true that everything that doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It continues making you weaker. Right? I know you can like fight me on all kinds of different ways there, but... Let me rephrase this for you. How about this? Whatever tries to kill you, but you're able to find joy in the midst of, will grow your hope. How about that instead? It's not just getting through the suffering. It's not just persevering through the suffering. That is not what does it, guys. I made it through. Finally, I'm done with this. That is not what does it. It's having joy in the midst of that thing. We sang about it. And if our God is with us, then who could stand against us? That is not a phrase that you utter when you're in the midst of comfort. When things are easy, if our God is with us, then who could stand against us? That is something you utter when you are under attack. That is something you utter when the enemy is closing in. Right? When things are hard. If you want to summit a mountain, you better go buy some gear and start training to climb. And guess what? Halfway up the mountain, you're going to think about turning back. You will. Hour 15, you're going to be like, I'm going home. So there's a component of faith that continues, even as we're in the midst of hope, right? There's a component of faith, but faith gets easier as we say yes in the middle of the mountain. Well, I'm already halfway here, (laughs) first of all but we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going, and not not just to keep going, but with joy. Faith is your choice to keep going. Hope is the process of your joyful going. It's long, arduous, and painful, but most of all, It's transformative. It is the production of endurance and character. And then you reach the summit. And you get to see for miles. And it changes your perspective. And it changes your behavior. And it changes your identity right for everyone in this room who's run with Team World Vision you signed up you said yes it was a moment of faith it was a moment of faith I don't know why I'm called to do this so I'm gonna do it but it didn't end there there was this whole process that was really hard That you had to go through with a community. And it built. It created. It grew hope within your heart. That you could actually make it to the finish line. When you signed up, you didn't know if you could do it. But over time, you trained. And you did more and more miles. You went farther and farther and farther. Until you began to realize, I can do this. I might see the finish line. And it created hope within your body. Within your soul. It was physical and spiritual. It was one. It was you. And at the end of the race, when you cross the finish line, you're no longer saying, I'm training for a half marathon or I'm training for a marathon. You say, I am a half marathoner. <clears throat> I am a marathoner. I am a half Ironman or woman. I am, a, I am an Ironman. I made it to the top. It changed my identity, right? Guys, racing with Team World Vision, running with Team World Vision, walking with Team World Vision, jogging with Team World Vision, doing events with Team World Vision is symbolic and yet completely transformative of who you are, right? It's symbolic, but it's true. And it changes you and it changes your behavior and your perspective. Changes your perspective of yourself and of the people around you. Since Team World Vision began in 2006, growing this ministry has been an uphill battle. Gaining the trust of people within World Vision has been difficult. Hiring the right staff Managing the growth of the program without losing the identity of Team World Vision. That it is this thing that Michael experienced as a vision back in 2005, 2004 maybe. But as we as staff and people who run with us commit to persevering with joy through those challenges, with joy through those challenges, it's not like grumbling perseverance. Ah, I have to do this thing I said I would do. If our God is with us, who could be against us? Joy in the midst of difficulty. It's as we do those things that God's promise of hope becomes a result in our lives. And not just for us, but hope for kids and communities throughout Africa. And this is where love becomes tangible. Because not only do we experience some kind of good feeling by finishing a race, not only do we experience some kind of incredible transformation along with our community where we learn how to serve and love one another as we train alongside one another, rejoicing with people who rejoice next to us, weeping with people who weep next to us as we cross the finish line together, not only do we learn to love in that way, but we also learn to love by providing a cup of water to a small child who never had it. And that kid's mom has hope that her child will live beyond the age five. That's love, right? That's love, tangible evidence of changing people's lives, both right next to us and across the world. That is what we're offering with Team World Vision, right? It's a commitment to learn how to love by experiencing faith, hope, and love together with intention, and with joy. That's the hardest part, guys. Because grumbling is so easy for us. For me. It's much easier when my cell phone breaks to just get mad about my cell phone breaking. Instead of thinking, if our God is for us, then who could be against us? Right? Right? As you sit here today, my role is simply this point to the mountain. I'm just pointing to the mountain. And if you look at the mountain and you feel an urge, a calling, something that you can't turn away from, when I say I want you to run the, I want you to experience the thing that I've talked about today, I want you to experience it with this community. If you can look at that and say, that's just not what I'm called to right now, that is, that is where we draw the line between who participates with Team World Vision and who doesn't. But if you look at that and you say, I am called to that today. And I can't stop looking about it, at it, and I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm going to urge you to go there. Do not settle for the bluffs. Do not settle for the bluffs, right? So after the service today, I'm a little over. After the service today, we're going to call a little 10-minute meeting right here in these chairs for people who, who can't stop looking at the mountain, okay? So I want you to come forward after the last song, and we're just, I'm just going to tell you basically what it looks like to join Team World Vision, what it takes and what the commitment is. But we're going to run, there's a team of people in this city who are going to run or walk or jog the Eau Claire Half Marathon and Marathon this year to change lives in Africa. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for introducing us to the process of faith, hope, and love. I thank you for your son, for his work on on the cross to make that possible, because without it, It doesn't exist. True hope, the hope of eternal life, does not exist without him in that act of sacrifice. And so just as he experienced suffering and was able to to muster joy in the midst of suffering... We pray that you would allow us to do the same, to serve people who need to be served so that we can be like Christ to the world around us. In your name, amen.